So this morning, I'm going to be moving on through this series on the letter of Colossians and what it means for us to be people of faith, how we have faith together as God's people and keep a focus on faith. Yeah, I, I began this series last week with what it means for us to find that focus and have a focus that comes before God in that way, that sometimes faith needs a focus. And, and we don't often think about that, do we? That sometimes faith needs a focus. But we find that focus, and we talked about that last week. Today we're going to talk a little bit about distractions and what it means to clear out distractions in different ways. I've had it before, and, and maybe you've had this. In fact, I trust many of you have had this. I've had it before where um, I'm driving somewhere along a familiar route but to a different destination. Let me give you an example that, um, that sometimes I have to run to the store for something. And the, the way that I take to get to the store, uh, just the mire that's right here in Granville, it's, is from my house the same route that sort of takes me here to church, something that I do almost every day come here and so if I'm driving along and and maybe I've got like this podcast on that I'm really intently listening to because I'm learning new stuff with it I miss the turn because muscle memory takes over and the next thing you know I'm pulling into the parking lot here and thinking wait a minute I didn't have to come to I was supposed to go to the store I lost track of where I was going because I was so focused on something else at the time I trust some of you have done something like that, missed the exit, just kept on driving, missed the turn because you were focusing on something else at the moment. You've had that before, haven't you? Or you walk into the kitchen and then think, what did I come in this room for? You've done that, right? Oh, well, as long as I'm here, I guess I'll get a snack until um, it hits me what I need to do. Or I've had it where, you know, I've, if I'm here doing things at church and, all right, I've got to, uh, run, to the, run to the office in there for something and go in there and there's a few other people in there. So, hey, how you doing? Let's connect. Let's chat for a little bit. And after a few minutes of chatting, I think, now what did I come in here for again? Right? I, I know I came here for a reason of something other. There were distractions that came along the way. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to note about that. These are not necessarily bad distractions, are they? I mean, if I'm listening to a good podcast where I'm learning new things and it's enriching and enlightening, that's a good thing. But it's distracting me from what I needed to be doing at that very moment or where I was going. Or if you have opportunities like I do where I walk into a room and there's other people there to, to greet and get to know and, and be in relationship and have a chat for a little bit, and then I forget why I'm in the room, but that wasn't a bad distraction necessarily. It's not a bad thing. It, it just pulled my focus in another direction for a while. Sometimes, here's the point I'm making, sometimes distractions maybe aren't all that bad, but they are distractions. They take our focus in another direction. And we need to find some focus back again around those distractions. I want us to consider a little bit of what that looks like in the life of faith. 
what it means for us to be people of faith together, but, but sometimes distractions pull at us that don't look like bad things. But we have to find a focus back around that, okay? So today, from Colossians, I'm going to read, picking up actually from where it left off last week, in Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6, and, and I'm going to read a little bit more than I usually do on a Sunday morning, going all the way to verse 23, because there's something in here to unpack, okay? Colossians 2, beginning at verse 6. It says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their 
self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Distractions. Uh, A focus of our faith that sees through distractions. Let's consider a little bit of what that looks like in this context. So I I read quite a bit there from Colossians that maybe it helps us to make a little bit of sense out of this as we go through it and pull some of those things out of this passage that will help us see the message that the Apostle Paul is writing here to the church. One of the things that I want us to notice that comes through this is fullness. What it means for us to have a fullness of faith and how that works in our lives. Now, that, that's a, a topic that we saw a little bit last week because it comes from chapter 1 into chapter 2 that Paul is continuing his discussion here about what it means for us to have a faith that is full in Christ. And in particular, there's few things that he notes about that. What it means for us to be rooted in Christ, built up in Christ, strengthened in faith, overflowing with gratitude in Christ. You can see these things. It's it's right there in the passage that we read that begins there in verse 6. All of those things, rooted, strengthened, overflowing, built up, that we see those things as an expression of fullness of faith. But the point that Paul is after here is that these are things that come from Christ and that they happen in Christ. That this is a part of our faith that connects with God through that. So he wants to pull that one through for us in ways that help focus faith. And, And then he goes on in the rest of this passage to give ways that maybe distractions come along that pull us away from this. Distractions that take our attention away from being rooted and built up and strengthened and overflowing in Christ. In particular, there are three of these, three warnings that come along with this. The first one happens in verse 8. Verse 8 where he says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy that there were those bringing a message that pulled focus away from being in Christ and pulled focus in some other direction, a distraction in that way. Uh, Now, we don't know exactly all the details around what Paul means when he says hollow and deceptive philosophy. I think we'll piece some of this together as we go through how that pulls out, right? So, A little bit further down in verse 16, we see another one. Here's where Paul says this. Don't let anyone judge you. And now he gives a few more specifics. Judge you by the religious habits that you keep. And he talks about a few specific things there, right? How you keep a Sabbath day or a new moon festival. That was part of the Old Testament calendar of festivals that they would keep together. 
about the religious things that you do, don't let anyone judge you based on those things because that's not the focus of where our faith comes from, doing all of those things. So don't let that be the standard that judges you. And then one more that we see, and this one comes in verse 18, where he says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Uh, So I I don't want to go too crazy into analyzing what it means by worship of angels and that kind of thing. Let's just put this in the context of the passage itself. That within this passage, what Paul is talking about here are people who depend on some of these extra experiences of being religious and religious people in some way. People who sort of delight in what that gives them, the appearance of holiness. That when I live in ways that express for other people, look at how holy and godly I am. And then, when that's taken as a standard that disqualifies others, Paul says, don't let anyone do that to you. Don't let anyone tell you that your faith is invalid. Don't let anyone tell you that your faith in Jesus doesn't count because you don't measure up to some standard of religious holiness that others might expect. That our faith does not focus on those things. This is where Paul's sort of bringing this together in this conversation, talking about a faith that focuses on Christ and some of the things that may distract us away from that. Now, there's a term that he uses a couple times here around that, that we see repeated in this passage. Twice he says, and he gives it under the category of calling it the elemental spiritual forces of this world. That there is a distraction in our faith that comes from what Paul calls the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Uh, As I read commentaries around this passage, biblical scholars don't agree on what that means, which means I'm not going to uh, get us distracted by trying to figure that out either. I think it's enough to note that what Paul is referring to there as something spiritual but spiritual not in the sense of from the Father or in a heavenly way, but spiritual in a worldly way. That, that all of the things of religion itself in some way become distractions. I wonder how often maybe we catch that thought. Are there times and are there moments in life when Christianity itself is a distraction from being a Christian? Now, that sounds a little silly to say. How in the world could it be that Christianity is a distraction from being a Christian? But I think that's what Paul is getting at here. That's what he's trying to bring to our attention. 
that there may be moments when this entire life that we live about being a Christian might become a distraction from actually focusing on what it truly means to be a Christian. And like some of those other distractions that I mentioned, it's not that it's bad stuff. It's not that there's something horribly wrong about those things that may be distracting us. That they are not bad things in themselves, but let's recognize them for what they are. Let's see how Paul puts this one together. Because sometimes... I think we'd have to admit in a passage like this, the lines get a little blurry, right? It it, it gets a little fuzzy in trying to figure out because it's not as though the Apostle Paul in this passage is pointing to distractions of things that completely reject Christ. That's not the distraction they're worried about here. It's not as though the distractions are things that focus on a completely secular point of view, worldly pleasures and pursuit of wealth and things like that. That's not the distraction going on here. It's not something pulling people away from Jesus, but there's sort of a fuzzy line of, you know what, these appear like they're all within the, within the boundaries of what it means to be a religious person, but when does our religion itself become a distraction. Let's figure that one out and see how that works. The passage here today gave some examples that maybe um, don't always apply to us because we're not people who follow some of those Old Testament patterns. A new moon festival? We don't do things like that. So maybe we have to do a little bit of work today of thinking, okay, all right, now let's think about it. Right? Let, let's put this into practice in your own life and in what it means for you to be a person who walks with God. And for some of us, perhaps many of us, it's been a pattern and a lifestyle of being a Christian that we've had for many, many years. What are some of those habits, rituals, religious things that we do that maybe, just maybe, blur that line and become a distraction in our focus of faith. Think about what some of those things just might be for us. During the 2020 pandemic, when so many things closed down and and we had an extended period of time where we weren't actually meeting here in person, Right? We, we were sort of scrambling and doing our best during that time as a staff here to uh, put together weekly videos that we would have a video of the service and the message and, and the music and do all that. And then in people's homes by streaming through the internet that we would share those things. And that was hard to do. Hard to do because we've had a habit and a practice and a custom of, well, worship means we get together. That, that we're in this place and we feel a goodness in that. That's not a bad thing. Not at all. It's a good thing. But when we catch ourselves, and maybe at some point we all did, catch ourselves saying, yeah, but this isn't worship. Yeah, I, at home, in front of my computer or a screen or however, that, that's not real worship. 
that somehow I can't focus on worship on God unless it meets all these categories and criteria of being a certain way that I expect it to be. We were confronted with that over the last couple of years of having to evaluate and maybe think for ourselves the point of, okay, are we approaching worship and coming to worship as something where this is something that focuses me on Christ? Or is the focus just on the act of worship itself and how it takes place in the songs I like or don't like or the things in worship I like or don't like? That There's something of that where it's not a bad thing to worship, but when it becomes the focus rather than Christ, it can be a distraction. Or um, maybe it gets a little amusing when uh, some of us who've grown up Christian reform start talking and telling stories about things we could not do on Sunday. Thinking back to when we were younger, all of maybe those different rules we had about Sabbath observance and what that means and to the point where maybe we lost a focus, a focus on keeping a day that's set aside as holy as one that focuses on Christ. And, and instead of being a day that focuses on Christ, it became a day of here's all the rules of the things that I can or can't do on this day. That what's intended to be a good thing becomes a distraction from Christ. I remember while I was a student at seminary and uh, having a group of friends there and, and a discussion that we had one time noting of, you know, how unique it was as seminary students that we got to spend so much of our lives pouring over scripture and theology and learning about God and soaking in all of this richness of our theological tradition of who God is. And, and in that discussion, I think we caught ourselves. We caught ourselves at a moment of saying, but you know what? We shouldn't love the theology more than we love the God to whom the theology is pointing. We shouldn't love being right and being correct in our doctrine more than we love being in relationship with the God who is at the center of it all. And speaking on behalf of seminarians and indeed still pastors yet today, that's a danger. It's a distraction that pulls at us. That there are things that are not bad in themselves, but they can be a distraction. So, so what does that look like in your life? Right? How, how would you point to something like that in your own life where things that are not really bad things, but they have become distractions from Christ in that way, that we've been adding some things on top of relationship with Jesus, but what it means for us to be Christian and what that looks like. Because I think what Paul is reminding us here is that religious activity is not what brings us into the fullness of God. It is Christ that brings us into the fullness of God. Let me think about that and see what it says about that in the passage we read today. In verse 16 that we read, it says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you 
by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. That these are not the things that form the foundation of our faith. But in the next verse, in verse 17, he says, these things, all of these religious things that we do, it's a shadow. A shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. That all of these things are meant to point us in faith to Christ. And he says about that, the fullness that we have from verses 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Not that we find our way to fullness. Not that we find our way to God. Not that any of the things that we do make us any better of a Christian. But look at what Paul says here. It's because of what Christ has already done and brought to you that gives you a fullness of faith. That faith should always be focused on what Christ has already done for you. Faith should always be focused on what Christ has already done for you. So maybe you're here today and, and maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church or you, you've had a part of your life that's been away from church for an extended period of time and, and you think, you know what, I've missed so much and I've been so far away from God and, and I just feel so lost and distant from who God is and I'm failing to f- see that connection, but it's not the religious habits of doing all these things that form the foundation of your faith. Faith should always be focused on what Christ has already done for you. Or maybe you've got a past where there's been some mistakes and, you know what, I've, I've broken some relationships in the past and things haven't always worked out that well and I've had difficulty mending those relationships and it feels like there's just brokenness around me and I've hurt other people and I've been trying to find some forgiveness for that but it's been hard to do. So how in the world can I have a relationship with God when there's been so many mistakes in relationships that I've made around me with other people? But faith does not focus on mistakes that you've made in your past. Faith should always focus on what Christ has already done for you. Maybe you're a person who at some point in your life has struggled with addictions of some kind. Or maybe you still struggle with addiction of some kind. And there's struggles within that of every day of feeling held captive to things that maybe feel a little bit beyond your control. And how can I get control of my life back again? And there's such struggle that goes on there. And How could God ever take me when I have such a hard time taking steps forward to Jesus because my life just feels so stuck in a struggle. But faith does not depend on the steps you take towards Jesus. Faith focuses on what 
Jesus has already done for you. That's the gospel. That's where all of this religious activity that we do should point and focus, remind us. It's what Christ has already done for us. You know, a couple takeaways to wrap this up. A few takeaways that maybe help us with this that we see in this passage. First of all, it's a reminder for us. Never judge other people by unrealistic standards and expectations. It's one of the warnings that Paul gives in this passage. Right? Don't let yourself be judged by that. But I think there's something for us here to remember too that we should not be the people who are doing that kind of judging. That we should not hold people to a standard that is not biblical because it loses sight of the focus of faith being on what Christ has already done. If there are people who are coming to God in faith, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter how far away they seem from who we think they should be, if they are taking steps of faith, then it's a step of faith. And we should not judge people with that. So in the people you work with, or maybe the other students in a classroom who you go to school with, or those who you come into contact with every day, it's good to remember this week, catch myself. You know what? It's not good for me to judge others by the same standards I maybe hold myself to, but shouldn't hold others to, because God loves them unconditionally. So I should not have conditions on it either. That's one thing. The other thing I would say as a reminder for us is stop focusing my own faith on how well I live up to the standards and expectations of others. Maybe especially for those of us here who are, are by nature people pleasers, you know who you are. I always want to live up to the standards that are there. I, I want to live up to the expectations, but don't put your faith in that category. Your faith does not hang on living up to the standards of other people. Your faith depends on just one thing, what Christ has already done for you. Don't let other people's standards take your focus away from that. But remember that your faith is focused on Christ because of what he has already done for you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the reminder in your word that you are the one who holds us in faith. God, we're sorry for the times when we have made standards around faith that push other people away. God, we lament the times when maybe standards have been pushed at us that feel like they've pushed us away. God, may we be reminded again today that the faith that we have in you comes from you and what you've done for us. And may nothing ever distract us from that at its center. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.